0: This is episode three of What If We Get It Right, in which we are exploring how for-profit and socially aware businesses in the eastern Congo are strengthening their local economy. In the last episode, we met Washikala Malongo and Dus Numwezi, two entrepreneurs who are working in eastern Congo. And for this episode, we will also be hearing from Shansuwezi, a coffee grower on Ijwi Island. With local businesses taking on a new role of addressing societal issues in the region, where does that leave the government and other traditional state actors?
1: Things have changed since we started. You know, when we started, it was only outtake in this, you know, field like distributing high quality solar products uh, to households Uh, but now what we have seen there have been a lot of uh, developments in the market in the DRC market we have seen a lot of uh, players coming in we have have seen the government of the DRC uh, being involved seriously putting in place a lot of programs that are aimed at helping companies that are operating in the field. So we are seeing a lot of advances and improvements that will make it uh, possible for us to, you know, to reach our, our our goal and our vision. The government has a role to play. You know, it is the government is they are the ones that put in place policies that you know makes it easier for companies like Altec to operate in the areas. So if they are not doing their job, yeah, it, it will be difficult for us to operate and achieve what they achieve. So we are partners. You know, at least the current government has a. A goal, if I can call it, to increase uh, electrification rate from 10% to 30% by 2023. So, but again, uh, when you talking about electrification in the DRC, in the past people were talking about Barash Dinga, the Inga Dam. But at least now, the understanding that, you know, uh, uh, clean energy or decentralized solutions also have a role to play. Uh, and, uh, you know, so that means that they should put in place policies that make sure that companies like Attec can operate easily to achieve their goals and in turn also help the government to achieve their goals.
2: Mm-hmm. There is a, a governmental institution, if you like, for North Cuba, which happens to be very progressive um, and it's, try, it's trying its best. And uh, And you, you will come across clinics and, and hospitals Poorly resourced. So there, there is definitely different types of actors, and you, you'll come across some private companies, not that many, to be quite honest. Historically, being a private company has been quite difficult in, goal, in, in, in DRC. It's it's come with a lot of uh, admin and red tape and tax and these kind of things, but that's coming, that, that's easing now. Uh, a new president arrived two years ago, and there seems to be a kind of growing recognition. That private business, or SME business, which is where we are, is part of the future and is a really crucial part hmm. of, uh, of development. In the time that we've been operating, there has definitely been a kind of upturn and injection of energy, especially in, in Goma, but not just Goma, in other cities, in the whole country, in Kinshasa, etc. But the, the main focus, to be honest, has been on startup, on the incubation so I'm not saying it's easy at all to start a business in Congo. It definitely is not. Culturally, people, they, they tend to spread the risk. So they might have more than one job, for example. If they start up their own business, they, they want to have other things in the, in the spectrum of things that they can do in case that business goes wrong. You know, the commitment that you need to really start up a business and make a success of it, that 100% focus that you need, is actually quite hard for in Congo to, to, to commit to. But they've been supported by, um, by incubators, and that, that's good. And to an extent, some of the um, NGOs are also beginning to support that, that startup.
0: Less tangible, but equally important in creating change, is the challenge of changing behaviour, of tackling cultural norms and beliefs. Deuce explained previously how the position of women in the DRC is changing. We heard how our company, Ueso Africa, makes feminine hygiene pads. The brand, by the way, is called Meisha Pads. As Dus mentioned before, a lot of her business success depends on the way people see her product. But how do you set up a business selling a product that can't even be mentioned? What challenges does she encounter? Uh,
3: There are a lot of challenges we are fighting uh, every day. Uh, Since the beginning, when we became working on uh, menstruation, for example, and Uh, bringing people to use my pad, a lot of people were not uh, convinced that this was important. First of all, because we are talking about something which is intimate for a lot of people, like menstruation period, it uh, it relates to sex, and we are in a community where talking about sex is still a taboo. So a lot of people were like, oh, you don't have to... To talk about it loudly, even at the radio, even uh, writing about it, and so there are those kind of resistance in the community where people were not really open to these new ideas, new new ways of of doing in the community. When we came to to sell the the pad we are we are making, uh, there are two kind of challenges. The first one. There are a lot of people who were used to you to the pads that were not reusable. They could just use once and they throw it in the lake. Or there are not any way of uh, environmentally um, dealing with the pad they are they are they are using. So when you ask them to wash their pad and to reuse it again, the part of washing was like. Really hard, and they were like, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, we are al- always used to just to throw," and we had to multiply the strategies to bring people understand that these sanitary pads they are more useful and important in our community because we do have to protect also environment, and the second challenge of this uh, selling pads were. To the people who are not able to have five dollars, for example, to to buy a package of pad, and they say, "I don't even have food. Uh, I can't even pay school fees for my children. How can I have five dollars to to buy pad?" We couldn't also go uh, less than that because we are used all the material used up to now. They are bought by ourselves, and we don't have. Uh, support like uh, people who provide us with uh, sewing machine or things like that. So anything we are ourselves buying again and again. So we have to sell it uh, so we can't, we'll not fail. We have to 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 make strategy of going to the international NGOs, for example, and ask them to support the production of the pads, so this category of women also can have access to them. And uh, also we give pads for free in the schools, so girls so girls could also stay at school, even when they are in their, in their period.
0: Let's meet someone completely different. It's time to hear about Shantz Rwesi. Chance lives on Ijui Island and is the son of coffee farmers. After the Congo Wars decimated the production of coffee, specialty coffee that is highly sought after on the international market, he has now used his knowledge and university education to set up and manage the Kifu Cooperative of Coffee Planters and Traders, CPNCK. CPNCK partnered with La Difference in 2013. They received a loan and have since shipped full containers of green coffee off the island. They have seen increases in both production and quality scores, with international interest coming from buyers like Starbucks. Armand Chacot got on a boat one morning to speak with Shantz about his business. The interview is in French, and I'll tell you roughly what he said. Uh, Shantz uh, became interested in coffee because he grew up with parents who were coffee growers, and as he got older he wanted to contribute to the development of the village. He wanted to make a living with the knowledge that he had learned from them. When he finished his degree in accounting, CPNCK happened to need a financial agent, and that's where it started.
2: Shans is responsible for a cooperative coffee co-op. We happen to have been working with him for quite a long time, and he can explain what it's like to work with over 2,000 coffee growers in a remote region, how to deal with climate change, how to deal with... Processing, how to deal with the lack of energy, distance, finding a buyer, uh, understanding quality, and on all of these issues.
0: A little information on Idwi Island from La Difference's website tells us that it is a large lake island on Lake Kivu. More than 300,000 people live on the island of just 310 kilometers. Its distance from major markets, its poor infrastructure, and the absence of industry and communications have contributed to chronic poverty and low levels of health and well-being. After the civil wars in the early 1990s, coffee production plummeted in the region, and a variety of challenges has made recovery hard. Exports are still only 10% of pre-war levels. Without an export market, farmers like Shantz had been forced to sell their beans to neighboring countries, which mostly meant a dangerous two-day trip in canoe to Rwanda. But despite the improved market access and demand for specialty coffees, La Difference says that more work is needed before coffee production is a viable industry that can support the community. So besides his work for the coffee co-op, Chance has continued to set up different businesses with the aim of improving living conditions for his community. He owns a hotel and a fish farm, but he encounters many basic problems on a daily basis
3: we
1: challenges.
0: Ijwi Island is a de secure défis. place compared to other parts of the country. There is great capacity for production and consumption. In all, there are a lot of opportunities. A big challenge, however, is education. Namely, how to make the population and the local and national authorities aware of the work that CPNCK are doing. There are also a lot of challenges with coffee fraud coming from Rwanda, how to reduce the number of killings of coffee farmers on the lake, the state taxes and credit payments, which do not allow the cooperative to advance financially, and a general lack of investment needed to scale operations further. However, he notes that collaborations with organizations like La Difference have helped him scale and become more accountable to members. We have now heard what inspired Washikala, Douce and Shantz to get into business and understand more about the specific challenges that they face. But, to survive, they must all have had to adapt and iterate. What are some of the lessons that they have learned along the way? Let's hear from Deuce.
3: The community members can be flexible when things you are bringing them are relevant. I mean, when they found that this is a real need, this is a real problem. And even if there was a lot of taboo around menstruation, around pad and all these activities. Slowly by slowly people are now open. We are receiving a lot of calls, a lot of people that need also education and information. And we see even men asking to buy pads for their women or for their daughters. And these are things that a year ago or two years ago, we couldn't even think about it. Walking slowly or being really consistent in what we are doing, this is the first lesson learned for, for us because it's bringing change. And the second lesson learned is um, related to the way women and, and girls they are feeling proud of being woman, women and girls because the information and communication around menstruation Years ago, it was like trying to bring these people uh, feel a shame or having their period, a shame only because they are having their period. But actually, I'm finding more and more people freely talking about menstruation, uh, freely talking about how women and girls can live uh, with this menstruation. I think it was also thanks to other actors that are involved, like UNICEF and other actors that are also now finding that it's important to to talk about this, this topic. In the
0: next and final episode, we will hear from Mike, Patrick, Shantz, Washikala and Deuce about where they are going from here and how their business approach is affecting the region.
2: We can spend all of our time doing strategy and high-level thinking, and that's all great, but, you, you know... I'd rather, in many ways, when we do our work, focus on the quality of the moment and the quality and credibility of that, that piece of work right now. Having the framework, a good framework is great, and we can lift our eyes up every so often and make sure we're going in the right direction, but really we should make sure that the foundations on which we are building are really well built.
0: This podcast series is a collaboration between Tessa Wernink and global design agency Impossible. Interviews with the entrepreneurs were organized, conducted, and translated by Armand Chacot. Production, scripting, and narration by Tessa Wernink. Sound design and editing by James Powell. All music used in this podcast is listed and credited on whatifwegetitright.com. Design and artwork by Bea Peach and Impossible. Special thanks to La Difference for all their help and support in putting this podcast together.